Well, good morning, everybody. Good to see you here, and I want to thank you for joining us, whether you're in person or online. I'm going to go ahead and take this off. And as I get started this morning, I want to ask you a question. Let's say later today, a good friend of yours comes up to you and asks a question. Let's say this friend asks, how are you doing right now? And let's say you have to answer that question with just one word. So what would you say? What would your word be? And you have to be honest here. You can't give some surface answer like, fine. You have to be real. You have to say the first word that comes to mind. So what would your word be? Some of us would probably say, stressed. Some of you might say, frustrated, overwhelmed, worried. Or, or maybe over it. And I know over it is two words. I'll make an exception there. But what about this answer? Based on where you are today, how many of us would use the word thankful? How many of us would say, yeah, that's the first word that came to mind. I'm thankful. And maybe you would say that. Maybe you've seen some great blessings come your way this week. Or maybe... Uh, you're just remembering that Thanksgiving is coming in four days, and that reminds you to be thankful. But I'll tell you what, in the past eight months, it has not always been easy to walk through every day with an attitude of thankfulness. However, for all of us who follow Jesus, that's exactly what we're told to do in Scripture. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16, the Apostle Paul writes, Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, if I'm completely honest, there are some days when I don't want to read that verse. There are times when my circumstances make it difficult for me to feel grateful. And I believe God understands that about us. He knows that for you and me, to give thanks in all circumstances. We're going to need some help. But the good news is, God is willing to help. He will enable us to be thankful through good times and bad times. And that's what we're talking about today. We're going to look at a plan that can help us face every day with gratitude, even though our problems won't magically disappear. So my prayer for today is that we will learn to live with an attitude of exceptional thankfulness. Not what's normal, but exceptional. And with that goal in mind, I want to look at a story from the life of Jesus. It's a story that's familiar to many of us, but this week I saw a few things that I've never noticed before. If you have a Bible with you or a Bible app, you can follow along with me in Luke chapter 17. Luke 17, verses 11 through 19. Let's go ahead and walk through this together. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. Now, in case you didn't bring a Bible map with you, let me give you the picture here. Uh, Galilee is the land that's up north. Judea is the land down south. And both of these were Jewish territory. But smack in the middle was Samaria. And when we talk about Samaria, we usually bring up the, the point that Samaritans and Jews did not get along. 
the Jews were very serious about their Jewish faith. And they saw the Samaritan religion as kind of a second-rate form of Judaism. Uh, so the Jews, you could think of it like this, the Jews thought of their own religion as Oreos, and the Samaritan religion was like Hydrox or Twist and Shout or some other off-brand. So that gives you a little background. And remember, uh, Jesus in this story is traveling right along that border, Jewish Galilee to the north and Samaria to the south. And then we get to verse 12. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Now, you probably know that leprosy is a horrible disease. It's a long-term skin condition. It causes nerve damage. And in the later stages, parts of your body can just fall off, like your fingers and your toes. And when you see the word leprosy in the Bible, it, it's kind of an umbrella term. And it probably does include what we think of as leprosy here in modern times. But the biblical term also refers to other skin conditions. And all these diseases had physical effects, but there were also tragic social consequences. In Bible times, people with leprosy were banished from the community. They were separated from friends, from family. They were sent to live in leper colonies. In other words, they were stuck in long-term quarantine. And people thought of them as unclean, contagious. Nobody wanted to get near them. Nobody wanted to touch them. But Jesus was different. He broke from tradition and he had compassion on lepers. He actually did touch them. On several occasions, he healed them. And that's exactly what happens in this story. Verse 14 when Jesus saw them, he said, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Now, this story shows us that Jesus could heal people in all kinds of different ways. In some cases, he would touch the person to make them well. In this example, though, we see that he could perform remote healings. Remember, those ten lepers yelled at Jesus from a distance, and Jesus doesn't approach them. He just yells back, go show yourselves to the priests. And from there, Jesus goes about his business. And it's helpful to know why Jesus sent these men to the priest. Back in the Old Testament, if a man had a disease that required him to be expelled from the community, he couldn't go back home until he was healed. And to confirm that he was truly healed, he had to present himself to the priest. So in the case of leprosy, the priest would look him over, make sure his skin had cleared up, make sure he didn't have any toes that were about to fall off, and then he would say, okay, buddy, you're good. You can go back into town. So that's what Jesus is doing here. He yells at these ten lepers. He tells them to present themselves to the priests as if they have already been healed. And what does the verse say? As they went, they were cleansed. Now, I'd love to know what that looked like. Were they healed instantaneously, like somebody flipped a switch? Or was it more gradual? Personally, I like to think of it as kind of a gradual process. Like, you know, one of them's walking and he looks down and he sees, hey, that white spot on my arm looks a little better. And then a few minutes later, it's gone. 
All my spots are gone. This is awesome. It, it would have been so exciting. However it happened, you can bet those 10 men were ecstatic as they ran to the priest. You can imagine them laughing and jumping and giving each other high fives because they weren't just healed physically. They got their lives back. They could go back home to their family, to their friends. And for each one of these men, it, it had to be one of the best moments of their entire lives. So were they happy? Absolutely. Were they grateful? I'm sure they were. But out of this group of ten, one man stands out. Verse 15, one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Now, if you ask me, you, you can understand why the other nine wanted to get to the priest as soon as possible. It, it makes sense that they would want to go home as fast as they could. But this one man said, nope, I can't go straight to the priest. I, I can't run straight home. I have to go back. I have to say thank you. Now, Jesus was like any of us. He appreciated being appreciated. In verse 17, Jesus asked, we're not all ten cleansed. Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? And then he said to him, Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. So what's the point of this story? Well, the lesson is pretty straightforward, isn't it? When God blesses you, remember to be thankful. Remember to express your thanks. And guess what? If you are consistent in showing that kind of gratitude, you're probably in the minority. Because in this story, 90% of those who, were feel, those who were healed never stopped to say thank you. And that takes us back to our goal for today. Remember what that goal was? The goal is to learn to live with an attitude of exceptional thankfulness. So we want to be in that 10%. Now, we all understand the main point of the story, but we also need to apply it. We need to work out a plan that we can follow after we leave here today. And I'm going to give you a three-part plan for exceptional thankfulness. And here's the first step of that plan. Notice and appreciate your blessings from God. Now, you might look at that and it might seem painfully obvious, but the truth is we all struggle to do this. Now, there are times when we have no problem taking this step. You can think about those ten lepers. Uh, for every one of them, they couldn't help but notice the blessing that they were healed. And I have to believe they were very, very appreciative of that blessing. And in our lives, we probably have some moments that could compete with that. For me, I think about July of 2004 when Hannah and I started dating. That was a huge blessing because it took seven years for her to agree to that. I also think of the blessing of uh, when our son was born, the day when our older daughter was born, the day when our youngest was born. Uh, you, you just can't help but notice huge blessings like that. You can't help but be grateful. But not every season of life is like that, right? Every now and then, a 2020 comes along. And you might start to feel like your burdens outweigh your blessings. And that brings me to these baskets over here. 
I used this illustration several years ago, but it's been very helpful to me, so I decided to bring it back. In each one of our lives, we have two baskets. And this one right here helps us see all the blessings that we have from God. Each one of these playground balls here could represent a blessing. Like this one could remind me of the fact that I've never had to go hungry. I've always had enough food. Like I said, this one could remind me of my family, my wife and our three kids. This one could represent the fact that I get to live in this country. And I've always had the kind of freedom that's been extremely rare in the history of the world. So all kinds of blessings right here. But over on this side, things aren't as much fun. This basket represents our burdens and our hardships. It's a basket full of bricks. And some of these burdens are pretty heavy, right? Like major health problems or financial problems. This one right here, we could call this one COVID-19. Now, some of them are a little lighter, like this one could be that washing machine that went out last week. This one could be the guy at work who just gets on your last nerve. The point is, we all have this basket full of bricks. But we can't forget that the basket of blessings is always here. You know, we're constantly surrounded by God's blessings. The Bible says every good and perfect gift comes from our Heavenly Father. Sometimes, though, sometimes it's easy for us to focus on the burdens and neglect the blessings. And there are times when you really got to do that, like when tragedy strikes or when you've got a major problem to solve. You have to pay attention to what's happening right here. But even in those difficult seasons, we don't want to put ourselves in a position where we only see the burdens and we can't even see those blessings. So before too much time passes, here's what we want to do. We want to take a step back where we see the burdens, but also the blessings. We want to notice them and appreciate them. And we don't have to wait to do that. I want to take a moment right now and give all of us a chance to make a list of a few blessings. And for everybody here in the room, there's a place in your bulletin to do that. If you're watching online, just grab a piece of paper and something to write with. And I'll give you three suggestions to help you get started. But later on today, you can add to this list. My first one is, it, it's an easy one. Think of a food something that you really love to eat. Maybe it's turkey and stuffing with, with gravy all over it or cranberry sauce or pumpkin pie. Maybe it's just a really good steak or chocolate chip cookie dough ice cream. Whatever it is, write it down and be thankful that God created a world with lots of things that taste really, really good. Now here's my second suggestion. Think of someone from your past who really made a positive difference in your life. A parent, a friend, a teacher, a mentor. Think of a person who encouraged you or gave you a chance or helped you through a tough time in your life. And then finally, think of a person here in the present who just makes your life better on a regular basis. You, you can go ahead and write those down now or, or save it till later and then go on from there. Make the list as long as you want. 
As a kid growing up in church, we sang a hymn that said, count your blessings, name them one by one. And that's, that's such a great practice because it reminds you that your blessing basket is never empty. So back to Luke chapter 17. When those 10 lepers were healed, there's no doubt that they were focused on that blessing basket. They just got their lives back, right? So I'm sure they were very grateful. How could you not be? But 90% of them did not go back to Jesus and give thanks and praise to God. And do you remember what we saw in that passage? Luke said, the one who came back to say thank you was what? A foreigner, a Samaritan. And Jesus said, has no one else returned to give praise to God? And there's a subtle message there, right? We have to assume that the other nine, the nine who did not say thanks, they were most likely Jews. And that means they had the right religion. They knew who God was. They were members of God's chosen people. In other words, they knew better. They'd been taught to praise God thank him for his blessings. And those nine men may have felt grateful, but they didn't express it. So that's the second step of our plan for exceptional thankfulness. Step two, express your gratitude to the one who blessed you. We teach our kids to do this, right? A couple weeks ago, our family went around the neighborhood trick-or-treating. And this year was a little different, but in normal times, what happens? A child goes up to the door, says, trick or treat, and then someone drops a fun-sized Snickers into their bag. And then, what happens next? The parent looks at the child and asks a question. And you know what the question is, right? What do you say? What do you say? And the child says a quick thank you that may or may not be from the heart, probably not, and then they run off to the next house. But why do we teach our kids to take the time to say thank you? It's because something's not right until those words are said. Without a thank you, that child comes off as rude or entitled. They've sent the message that they are ungrateful, even if they are grateful. So this is a very important concept. A preacher named Andy Stanley put it this way. He said, unexpressed gratitude communicates ingratitude. Unexpressed gratitude communicates ingratitude. And that's exactly what we saw with those nine men who were healed. They probably were very, very grateful. They just didn't express it. Jesus pointed it out. He said, something's not right about that. And we teach our kids to do the same thing, but ironically, it's still easy for us as adults to leave our gratitude unexpressed, even though we know better. We get busy. We get distracted. We start to take people for granted. And to be transparent here, I have to admit that this is a growth area for me. I, pretty much every day, I think of someone who I appreciate, but I don't always take the time to write the note or send the text or make it a point to say thank you face-to-face. So I have a simple challenge for me and for all of us This week, go out of your way to say thank you to someone who has blessed you. It may be one of those people who you wrote down on your list of blessings. It may be God himself. 
We just don't want to come across as rude or entitled. I know none of us want that. But until we express our gratitude, that's exactly the message we're sending. Okay, I've got one more step in our plan of exceptional thankfulness. And this one's a little outside the box. The final step is to see the bigger picture, which is the glory of God. And at first glance, this may seem disconnected from the other two steps. But this is really the key to exceptional gratitude. Let's go back to these baskets to start to get that bigger picture. For most of us, uh, we pray to God and we ask Him to increase our blessings and decrease our burdens. And we not only ask that, we expect it. After all, He is a good God, right? Why would He not intervene to make my life better? Why would He not want to fill up this basket and empty out this basket? But here's where that mindset takes us. When God does give us what we ask for, our level of gratitude goes up. But when he does not meet our expectations, our level of gratitude goes down. And we can get frustrated or even angry with God. And yeah, those feelings come naturally for all of us. But what about that bigger picture? Well, it's difficult for us to see the big picture because we have this strong tendency to focus on ourselves. We tend to place ourselves at the center of the universe. But if we look at the overall message of the Bible, we learn something that's kind of a shock to our system. Your life is not about you. My life is not about me. It's about God. It's not about us. That was something I heard at the Vista Challenge, which was an event that happened here last weekend. And you may remember Zhenya Shved, who was part of our service last Sunday. Zhenya led the first session at the Vista Challenge, and he said something that really stuck with me. He said, based on Scripture, we learn that God does not exist to bless me. It's actually the opposite. I exist to bless God. So is that really what the Bible says? Is that really the consistent message of Scripture? Well, let me read you just one example. Isaiah chapter 43, verses 6 and 7. God says, Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth, everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. So why were we created? says it right there, doesn't it? God created us for His glory. So our purpose is to shed light on the fact that God is great beyond anything we could imagine. And He is good beyond any earthly definition of the word good. And He is holy and just and beautiful and loving in a way that goes far beyond human understanding. We are here to give him honor and praise by our words and by our actions. And if we're not living for that purpose, we're missing the point entirely. That's what we just read in Isaiah 43, but the reality is that message shows up all over the Bible. And now it's time to bring this around to everyday life. How can this bigger picture help us live with exceptional thankfulness on a daily basis? 
Well, to answer that, that question, let's go back to the story about the lepers. We've already talked about the obvious lesson of that story, but let's think about it from a different perspective. Now, it's been a few minutes, but let's test your memory. How many lepers were healed by Jesus? It was 10, right? And Jesus put a huge blessing into the basket of each of those 10 men. So what does that tell us about God? Well, from that story, we can see that God is good. He's a good father, a a loving father. He wants good things for his children. He wants us to be healed. He wants us to be whole. The story also tells us something about the identity of Jesus. Those miracles indicate that Jesus truly is the Messiah. He's the Son of God who came to save us. So we learn those lessons. That story brings glory to God. But let's read between the lines for a second. There were 10 lepers in this story. But how many other people in Galilee and Samaria, alive at that time, were also suffering from leprosy? Hundreds? Thousands? I don't know. But it was probably a lot. And it's great that Jesus healed 10 men right here, but what about everybody else? Jesus did heal lots of people during his three years of ministry. But at that same time, while Jesus walked the earth, there were thousands or millions of people who did not get healed of their sickness and disease. So what's up with that? How is that fair? Why did some get healed but others didn't? Even today, why do some people pray and get healed but many don't? Well, this is a hard lesson, but it's an important one. God uses both blessings and burdens to reveal his goodness and his greatness and his glory. The miracles of Jesus were great blessings. And like I said, all those miracles pointed to the goodness of God and to the identity of Jesus as the Messiah. But how might God use our burdens to reveal his glory? Well, I think about my own life when my health is good and the rest of life is good and I'm just trucking through my days with, without any major problems. I can forget about the fact that I have this desperate need for God. I need him every hour of every day. But when I'm up to my eyeballs in blessings, I may not pay attention to that. So what's it going to take to wake me up to the fact that Without God, I have nothing. I am nothing. Well, I've learned that my burdens can remind me that I am weak and I need a God who is strong. So in a way, even our burdens can be a blessing. And this even applies to the pandemic we're living through right now. COVID-19 has destroyed the illusion that we're in control. We've seen firsthand that we can make all the plans we want But we don't have any power to make those plans a reality. We've also been reminded that this life is fragile. You can be healthy and strong today, but that health can disappear in a moment. There's no doubt about it. COVID has been a burden, and we pray for that burden to be lifted. And if God answers those prayers, we can praise him and thank him for his goodness and his power. 
However, if God does not answer those prayers, he might just be trying to get our attention. C.S. Lewis said, God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks to us in our consciences, but shouts in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. So are we listening? Are we willing to see the glory of God, not on our terms, but on his terms? When we give God his rightful place at the center of the universe, we discover our greatest reason to be thankful. Our greatest reason to be thankful is God himself. Think about it. What if God was not who he is? What if he was weak or cruel? What if he didn't care about us at all? What if he didn't want to have anything to do with us? I hate to imagine a God like that. But that's not who he is. God deserves all the glory we could ever give him and more. And we can be so thankful because God wants to give us blessings. That's who he is. He does want to empty that basket and fill this one up. We see that in Jesus. This is why Jesus came, because God loves us so much. This is why Jesus went to the cross to put our sin on his shoulders and give us the chance to be forgiven and free, to give us abundant life now and eternal life forever. Those blessings are available for everyone who gives their life to Jesus. And all of those blessings reveal the goodness and the glory of God. This life is a chance to rehearse what we'll be doing in heaven. We were made to give glory to God, and in heaven we get to do that face to face. Revelation 21 tells us what we have to look forward to. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. Even in heaven, it's not about us. It's about him. Our greatest reason to be thankful is God himself. So let's go out from here and live with an attitude of exceptional thankfulness. Let's pray. God, we praise you. We thank you for who you are. But even as we say those words, we have no idea just how great and good you are. It's beyond our comprehension. But we know enough to be thankful. We know that you will use blessings and burdens to lead us to you, to, to reveal your glory. So Lord, I, I pray that we will notice and appreciate all the ways that you bless us through good times and through tough times. And Lord, help us to help others see your glory. We praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.